So today is June 23rd, and it's semi during quarantine, but not really. It's kind of like after it, but we're still at home. So we're reading some Osho today. This is in the middle. This is just a, um, this is like a sample podcast, just so we can see how it works and see how we sound and see how it goes, how easy it is for people to hear it and see if we like it. That's right. So this is from the book No Water, No Moon, talks on Zen stories by Bhagwan Sri Ranish, otherwise known as Osho. Page 151. Once it happened, Mula Nasruddin came out of the village tavern and the new priest saw him. He was passing by the road. The new priest said, Nasruddin, you, a religious man, what do I see? You are coming out of such a place? My son, drink is of the devil, and when the devil invites you again, refuse. Why don't you refuse? Nasruddin said, Reverend, I would like to refuse, but the devil may get sore and may not invite again. That's the, that's the problem. You would like to refuse this mind. This mind has never fulfilled anything but you are afraid. The mind may get sore, will not promise you again. Then, you cannot live without promise. You cannot live without hope. This is the mechanism. Unless you are ready to live without hope, you cannot become religious. Even your so-called religions are nothing but hopes created by the mind. Are you ready to live without hope? Are you ready to live without future? Then simply, there is no need to retire. The mind retires itself. Then there is no clinging with the mind. But you are afraid. The mind may get sore. And the mind is the devil and may not offer again. Then what will you do? People come to me. They think their search is religious. Their search is still mental. They are still moving in the dark valleys of the mind. They are still listening to the mind. They are hoping. They hope through money and they fail. They hoped through sex. They have failed. They have hoped in many, many ways and they have failed. Now they hope through meditation. Now they hope through a master. But the hoping is there. And remember well, if you hope through me, you will miss me. I cannot fulfill your hopes. Why not leave hoping? Why you hope? What is the base of it? Discontent becomes hope. This is the disguise, because here and now, you are so much in discontent, so much in misery, that you need some hope in the future. That hope will help you to move. You can somehow tolerate the present through hoping. You can tolerate the present. Hope is anesthesia. The present is miserable, painful. Hope is alcoholic. It is a drug. It makes you enough unconscious so you can tolerate the present. Hope means here and how there is discontent. But have you ever looked at the whole phenomenon? Why are you discontent here and now in the first place? Why? Because you hoped in the past. That's why here and now you are in discontent. This today was tomorrow yesterday. Yesterday you hoped for today because it was tomorrow then. Now that hope is not fulfilled, so you are in misery, frustrated. And to hide this misery, to somehow pass today, you are again hoping for the tomorrow. 
You are in a rut, and in such a rut, it will be very difficult to come out of it. Tomorrow, the same will happen. You will be frustrated because mind can promise but can never fulfill. Otherwise, there was no need for meditation. Then Buddha was a fool meditating. If mind can fulfill, then all meditators are foolish, then all enlightened persons are fools, because mind cannot fulfill. When they came to understand the whole mechanism and the whole misery of it, this is the mechanism. Yesterday mind promised you that something is going to be delivered to you tomorrow. Now the tomorrow has come, this is today, and the mind has not delivered. You are in misery, your expectations are frustrated. Now the mind says, tomorrow I am going to deliver. The mind again promises, and what type of stupidity is this, that you again listen to the mind, and tomorrow the same mechanism will be repeated. It is a vicious circle. You listen to the mind, you become miserable. Otherwise, this today is paradise, and there is no other paradise. This today is nirvana. If you had not listened to the mind, you don't listen, just don't listen to the mind, then you are not in misery because misery cannot exist without expectations and without hopes. Yeah. Hmm. He's got a great, I mean, it's a great point. He's really um, embellishing it and, and making it extreme. Mm-hmm. But he's totally right. Yeah. You know, he, he does go a little, he makes it a little bit... Um, Lofty. He goes goes really out there to make a point, you know. Mm -hmm. And I do that sometimes too, and I'm like, don't do that. But he's like, you know, everything is this and that. And so it's it's so exaggerated that I think you can kind of lose it. But he's completely right. Yeah, I think so. I never thought that about hope. I always thought hope was kind of a nice thing. I know. (laughs) It was like, I hope hope this. It's like, it's a very, I thought I was being nice. but Yeah, it's like, I hope tomorrow will be better. Well... And what about today? It's true. You're right. Hmm. And when misery exists, you need more hopes for it to hide, to live somehow. Live hopelessly. Then you are a righteous man. Then you are retired. Beautiful are the words. The master said, the night is getting old. Why don't you retire? Have you not had enough of this night? Have you not heard and listened to this mind too much already? Drop out of it. Don't listen to it anymore. Retire. But Takasan misunderstood him because a man who is filled with so many questions cannot un- understand the answer. Out of his compassion, Ryutan gave the answer, but the disciple misunderstood. Scholars always misunderstand. What he thought? He thought of the night outside. It was not referred at all. Masters never talk about outside. They always talk about the inside. The master was talking about the dark night inside, and the disciple thought, yes, the night is getting old. He looked outside. He looked at the periphery. The master was talking about the center. The master was using the language of the within, and the disciple understood in the language of the without. And the language of the within cannot be translated into the language of the without. No, there is no way to translate it. Either you understand or you don't understand. There is no way to translate it for you. Hindi can be translated into English. English can be translated into into Chinese. But religion cannot be translated into any language. The inner cannot be translated into the outer. Why can Chinese be translated into English? 
because both are of the without. They both exist on the periphery. You know, hold on. Yeah. He talked about that a lot in the in the previous chapters, the circle and the center and the periphery and the perimeter. Mm-hmm. And it sounds weird. I, I understand what he's saying, but it sounds a little bit weird to, um, if this was the first chapter you heard, it mm-hmm. might sound a little confusing. Yeah. You know, but he's basically talking about like outside of your mind, inside of your mind. Like it's all about you and going inside, and that's the center. And the outside is the light. Yeah, and the periphery world. Mm-hmm. He really, that's the hard part about hearing this in the middle. Yeah. Is you hear something like that, and it's like, oh yeah, the, the circle, we know all about the circle at this point, because he talked about it a long time. But anyway, it's, it, this would be better if, if this is the first podcast. If we started from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, if someone's listening to this from the middle, it's like, dude. It's hard. It's going to be tough. I know. Why don't you retire, said the master. So Tukasen bowed, and as he opened the screen to go out, he observed. It is very dark outside. He understood. He thought he has understood. He bowed. Yes, it is too late, and night is getting darker and darker and too old, and it is time to go to sleep. When Master was meaning he was saying, it is time to awake. Retire means for the man who knows the inner. Retire means it is time to come out of your sleep, of your mind, because mind is the sleep. You have heard about the sleeping disease? Mind is that disease. It is deep sleep. Even while you are awake, it doesn't allow for you to be awake. You move in a deep hypnosis. It is a somnambulism. Somnambulism. Zombies. You do things just like a mechanical automatic mechanism. You are like an automation. You eat, you talk, you do things. You are efficient. But don't think that you are awakened. You are not awake. You have many types of sleep. Sometimes you sleep with closed eyes. Sometimes you sleep with open eyes. Sometimes you sleep on the bed. Sometimes you sleep in the temple, on the street. Sometimes you are in the shop sleeping. Sometimes you sleep... What? Aren't you knocking on... (laughs) Sometimes you sleep doing things. Sometimes you sleep without doing things. Sometimes you sleep with dreams, sometimes you sleep with thoughts, but you continue your sleep. In the morning, you don't become awake. In the morning, a new kind of sleep starts with open eyes, and dreams float, and thoughts continue, and you do the ritual. Awakening is not needed for the daily ritual. That's why nobody likes new things to happen every day, because if new things are happening, then you will have to awaken. With old things, a routine... You can move sleepily. There is no need. In a life of 70 years, if you have even been awake for seven moments, it is too much. That's why when Gautam Siddhartha awakened, we called him Buddha, the awakened one, because it is such a rare rare phenomenon to be awake. The master meant retire from the mind so that you can be awake. And the disciple understood, right, he said, it is very dark outside. I must go to sleep now. I must retire. This is how from a... I started it again. Yeah, the phone the phone is a problem with that. Mm. Um, yeah, he's talking about the master. Because in the that's, I think it's just the tradition of Zen. Like you have, that's oh. how you learn. Because this book is all about Zen Buddhism. Oh. Yeah, 
But no, we don't have... Everyone is in kind of a way our master, if you, if you start mm. to really get deep into it. Yeah, I was thinking about that. But yeah, I wish we did have a master. I mean, that, that's why there were gurus. And that's why there were temples and people followed. But we don't have anyone to follow, unfortunately. That, right. That's why in some ways we're almost... We're a little bankrupt. You know, we're spiritually bankrupt or just starved because there isn't anyone to show us, you know. Yeah. This is as good as it gets for us, a book. Mm-hmm. But at least it makes sense, you know. Yeah. At least we have the time to try. Right. So Tukasun bowed just to thank the master that he had correctly observed that the night is too much already passed. Quote, and as he opened the screen to go out, he observed, it is very dark outside. Ryutan offered Takasan a lighted candle. End quote. The master offered a lighted candle to the disciple to find his way. But just as Takasan received it, and he was on the move to go out, Ryutan blew it out. At that moment, the mind of Takasan was opened. What happened? Ryotan offered Tukasan a lighted candle. He said, Okay, outside is very dark, so you take this lighted candle to see the path. For the outside, candles can be offered, not for the inside. Because how will you take a candle inside? For the inside, no candle can be offered from without. The master cannot give you the light which will enlighten you inside. In fact, inside the light has always been burning. It is there, but you go on looking outside. Once you look within, the light is there. It has always been there. You have never missed it for a single moment. You cannot miss it. It is your Tao, your nature, your very self. No need to offer any candle for the inside, and no candle can go inside. But for the outside, candles can be offered. So remember, all those who offer you something for your path, those all candles can be only for the outside. They may light your path in the world, but never in the God. Seeing that the disciple had not understood, the master tried again. He created a situation, a very rare situation. He offered Takasan a lighted candle. Takasan was asking many questions, and he didn't offer a single candle for the inside. He didn't offer a single answer. He simply said, retire. But if darkness is outside, then something can be done. You can be helped. If your body is ill, then you can find a doctor. But if your soul is ill, then no doctor can be of any help. Then you have to do something. Then the master can only bring you to this point that you have to do something. Because inside, nobody can penetrate except you. If somebody can penetrate in your inside, it is not inside. Because in the interior most temple of your being, how anybody else can enter? There is no space. Only you exist there. It is you, your total aloneness. That is why Mahavira said, has said that even love cannot enter there. You are totally alone. Mahavira used a word for ultimate liberation, for ultimate salvation. That word is Kayavalva. Kayavalva, or no, it's Kayavalya, means absolute loneliness. In your innermost being, you are totally alone. Nobody can enter there. Not even a master can enter there. If somebody can enter there, then it is outside. Then it is not the interiormost core. At the center of a circle, only one point can be there, not two. If there are two, it is still not the center. 
then still a small periphery is around. You are alone in your deepest being. The master can help you to become aware of this fact, and once you know it, all disease inside disappears. Once you accept your total loneliness, you are liberated. Then there is no attachment. Love can flow. In reality, only now can love flow, because now love is not a dependence. You are not dependent on the other. If you are dependent on the other, then you will be again also, because whosoever makes you dependent is the enemy, cannot be the friend. So lovers continuously fight because the lover is the enemy. The beloved is the enemy. You have become dependent. You cannot live without. Your freedom is destroyed. And any love that destroys freedom will become, sooner or later, hate. Only that love which gives you more freedom will never turn into hate. It will be eternal. So only a Jesus, a Buddha, can love eternally. There is no change of climate. The same harmony continues. Why? Because a Buddha or a Jesus has attained his total loneliness and has accepted this fact. And this is so beautiful, to be totally alone, like an Everest. At the very peak, you are alone. At the very core, innermost being, you alone are. When you have accepted it, now love can flow like Ganges. Now there is no trouble. Now you can love without any condition. Now you can love without becoming dependent or without making anybody dependent on you. Now love can be a freedom. A master helps you to be aware of your total, ultimate loneliness. The loneliness word is not good because it carries a sadness about it, because of you, not because of the word. Because of the old associations, you always feel sad when you are lonely. In Japan, it happened once. A Zen master was a great gardener, a lover of gardening. Even the king became jealous of his garden. And one day, somebody came to the king and said, Now you must go and see. Japanese love the morning glory flower very much. And the man who spoke to the king, he said, I have never seen such flowers, millions of them. The whole garden of the Zen master is filled with flowers. And the fragrance, it is so beautiful. Don't miss it. You should go. It was too much for the king to go to see this poor man's garden. He had a big garden, hundreds of acres of greenery, hundreds of gardeners working there, and he had to go and see. But the man reported and he said, it may not happen again. So the king said, you go and inform that tomorrow morning I am coming. The master was informed. Tomorrow morning, the king came with his court, with his generals, queen, princes. The whole capital was stilled. Thousands of people gathered around the monastery, and the king came and looked around, and he said, What? I was informed there were millions of flowers, and I can only one, and I can see only one morning glory flower in the garden. The Zen master said, Yes, there were millions, but in the night we removed them all because we believe in the one, and this is the most beautiful of them all. In a crowd, you would have missed this, so we have removed all, only the best, only the most beautiful has been saved for you. The king became a little sad. He said, it looks so lonely. And the Zen master laughed and said, it is not lonely, it is alone. Remember this, when you reach to your innermost center, you are not lonely, you are alone. And this aloneness is not an emptiness, it is the fulfillment. This aloneness is not empty, it is overflowing. This aloneness is not a void, it is the all. 
The master can make you only aware of this fact, which is already there. He cannot give you anything new. He only gives you that which you have already, which you are already, which you have already been carrying within you, but never alert. He only makes you mindful of the fact that it is your being. He makes you only aware of the truth, the treasure that is hidden there, and you have not looked at it. Your being a God is already the case. The master simply makes you aware of this fact. It is not an achievement. Ryutan offered Tukasan a lighted candle. He said, Okay, if you cannot look within and the darkness that you are living in, the darkness of the mind, I talk about the inside and you look outside. If you are so focused, I will give you a candle. He gave him a lighted candle to find his way. But just as Tukasan received it, and he was going to move, stepped down from the temple of the master, Ryutan blew it out. Suddenly darkness. With the lighted candle, there was light. It was not even given and immediately blown out. Suddenly there was darkness. At that moment, what happened? The mind of Tukasan was opened. He became enlightened. What happened in this moment? Many things. They happened simultaneously. They happened in a single fragment. No time was lost. Here the candle was blown, there immediately the disciple was enlightened. What happened? One thing, suddenly he became aware that the master was not talking about the dark night outside. That's why he has blown the candle, to indicate that this candle won't do. He was talking of the inside, of the dark night within. He was not talking to go and retire and fall into sleep. He wanted to make you alert and aware. And when the light suddenly went out, his mind suddenly stopped. He couldn't conceive. It was so unpredictable. The master gave the candle and then blew it out. It was so absurd, then why give it? It was so contradictory. For a moment the mind couldn't think, because the mind cannot think when there is a contradiction. Many times I give you the candle and blow it out immediately. I say a sentence and contradict it immediately, just so that your mind cannot think anything about it, cannot work it out. If your mind can work it out, the opportunity is missed. It was so contradictory. The night was dark and the master offered a candle, and when he was just to move, he blew it out. What he means? So inconsistent. Enlightened persons are always inconsistent. Consistency is always of the mind. You can find a consistent thinker, but you cannot find a consistent Buddha. Each moment he behaves in a new way, because he is not behaving out of the past. He responds with the present moment, and it was so accidental that the mind couldn't work it out, and suddenly there was dark darkness all over. The disciple understood one thing, that the master was not talking of the outside. He was not talking of night there. He was talking of the night here, inside. He offered the candle and then blew it out. He is saying that no help is possible inside. You have to move in your darkness yourself. These candles won't do. Nobody can be a guide there, only indications. Buddha is reported to have said that Buddhas only show the way. You have to walk. They cannot go with you. If they go with you, you will become dependent on them, and they will become your world, and they will become your attachment. They cannot go with you, and it is inherently, intrinsically impossible to take you to your center by somebody else. He can indicate the way, Buddha's only point the way, you have to move. Suddenly there was darkness, the mind stopped. The mind could not conceive. 
The mind could not reconcile this inconsistent behavior. There is a gap, a discontinuity in the mind, and that gap becomes meditation. Suddenly his mind opened. When the mind cannot function, when the mind finds something impossible to reconcile, to solve, the mind drops. If the mind can find the logic, then it continues. So a master has to be illogical because of your mind. Only then gaps are possible. This moment he behaves in a certain way, and the next moment he contradicts himself. This moment he says something, next moment he says something quite the opposite. You cannot make a system out of it. That's why when Buddha died, many systems arose, because everybody started to create a system of his own, and he was an inconsistent man. He was not a system maker, so there were millions of contradictions. So everybody, philosophers, started working, and now Buddhists have many philosophies. In those philosophies, contradictions have been left out, and they have made a consistent whole. But when you leave the contradictions out, you have left Buddha himself out, because he was in his contradictions. He was in the gaps. He was giving shocks to your mind. This is a shock, Takusan at that moment, suddenly became alert. He could not have predicted it. If the mind can predict anything, there is no shock. If I repeat this story with you, if I give you a candle this night, you know the story well, and then I blow it out, nothing will happen because you expect. So a device cannot be used again, impossible to use it again. That's why always new Buddhas are needed, because old Buddhas, your mind has absorbed them. It knows very well. So a new Buddha may do exactly the opposite. He may give you the candle and will not blow it out and will go in the dark night with that candle, thinking continuously what happened. The story seems incomplete. A new Buddha has to create new devices, new methods, new techniques, because your mind is so cunning. Once it knows, it makes everything part of it. At that moment, the mind of Takusan was opened. And when the mind is opened, you are enlightened. Mind is a closing. Mind is a closed door. And being is an open door. That's the only difference. Mind open, you are a being. Mind closed, you are just a past, a memory, not a living, alive force. Mind closed, you can look only outside, because how can you look inside? The mind is closed, the door is closed. Mind open, you can look inside. Looking inside, you are totally transformed. Once a single glimpse, glimpse of the inside, you will never be the same again. Then you can move, then you can look outside. You can move in the world. You can be a shopkeeper, you can be a clerk, you can be a teacher in a school, you can be a butcher. You can be whatsoever you were before, but the quality has changed. In Zen, they say, before, is, before a man is enlightened, Rivers are rivers, mountains are mountains. Then, when a man becomes a seeker, rivers are no more rivers, mountains are no more mountains. Everything is confused, a chaos. And when a man becomes enlightened, rivers are again rivers, mountains are again mountains. Zen people say that a man of enlightenment lives the same way as an ordinary man, no difference on the outside. He eats when he feels hungry, he sleeps when he feels tired, no difference on the outside, just the nature of being, the quality of being has changed. Now the mind is open. He can look outside, but he remains inside. He can move in the world, but the world never moves in him. He remains in the world, but the world is no part of his being. He can do whatsoever is needed, 
but he is never attached. Not that he is detached, no. He is neither attached nor detached. The world has become a dream. The world has become a play, a game. It is no more real. It is no more substantial. If he happens to be a butcher, he will remain a butcher. He will carry it out to the very end. Zen says that the ordinary mind is the enlightened mind, with only one difference. The mind open, the door open, alert, awake. The sleep has gone. You are no more in a hypnosis. You are no more in a drugged state. You are alert. If you try too much to, ch to change the outside, that shows that you are still attached. If a man tries to be detached, it shows attachment. Why bother about detachment if you are not attached? If a man escapes women, it shows that sex is still the obsession. Otherwise, why escape from women if you are not obsessed? If a man avoids the market, moves to the Himalayas, he is still somehow in the market, or the market is in him. He is still afraid, and fear always shows that you have not changed. Otherwise, a man of enlightenment will be as ordinary as anybody else, more ordinary than anybody else, extraordinarily ordinary. Because why? He is not an exhib exhibitionist. He may just be your next-door neighbor, and you may not know him even, because you are after extraordinary men. If a man stands for years, you will go, many, many miles you will travel. It will become a pilgrimage, because you are going to see a man who has been standing for ten years. It may be a feat, but it doesn't show anything. It again shows just an egoist standpoint, an exhibition. You may go and bow down to a man who has been fasting because you cannot fast. This man has achieved the goal and you cannot achieve it. You feel inferior before this man. You bow down because deep down you also wanted to be like this, extraordinary. You wanted some powers, miracles, and this man has achieved. A man is a brahmachari, a celibate. You feel awe and feel very much influenced, impressed, because you cannot live without a woman. And this man has lived. He has attached, he has achieved the desire that you also deep down have, a desire to live without the woman, because the woman is the bondage. You feel she creates a boundary around you. She possesses you. You cannot move beyond that boundary. You are afraid of women. Somebody was asking Mullah Nasruddin, Why Nasruddin? You are leaving so early today. He was leaving the tavern. He said, Every day it is a problem, the wife. So the man said, Are you afraid of your wife? Are you a man or a mouse? Nasruddin said, I am a man. And the man said, Then why are you going so early if you are a man? And what certainty you have got that you are a man? Said Nasruddin, I am certain, absolutely certain, because my wife is afraid of the mouse. I am certainly a man. I am afraid of her, and she is afraid of the mouse. Had I been a mouse... The wife, the husband, the family, the work, the responsibility, the world. Everything becomes a burden, a boundary around you. You feel encaged, imprisoned, and a man who has left all standing alone in his majesty, neither burdened by wife, children, neither worried, neither afraid. You bow down to him because you feel this is the goal. This is what I would also like to achieve. But this man is just the opposite pole of you. He may have become the mouse and you may still be the man. The wife may be, may be afraid of him, but nothing has changed. He is just the opposite. He is also hiding the same fears. 
He is also hiding the same lust, but he has reversed the whole process. He is floating upstream, that's all. But the stream is the same. The fight continues. He may be a greater fighter than you, or may be a stupid, stupid fighter than you. Because stupid people are always courageous, and they can float upstream more easily than anybody else. Idiots can do things ordinarily intelligent men cannot do. Fools can enter where even angels are afraid to go. So if you see in your monks, in the monasteries, your sannyasins, your so-called sadhus, stupid people, that is natural. Look in their eyes. You will never see the look of intelligence. You will not see the clarity. You will not see the flame. You will see just stupid, idiot people, dull, dullards. They can do such things more easily. They can stand on their heads. And they can do for years, but they have not changed. The transformation has not happened. Zen says the ordinary mind is the enlightened mind. You don't go anywhere. The ordinary world is the paradise. Here and now, everything is there. You need not go anywhere. A man whose mind is open, the wife disappears. Not that he goes, escapes from the wife. Simply, the wife disappears, and a more beautiful being is there. When there is no wife, a beautiful being is there. When you make a being a wife, a husband, ugliness enters. Then there is a friend, a beautiful loving friend. Because expectations bring enmity. It is your mind, closed mind, which creates the problems, not the wife. First, For the first time you become aware of the beauty of the world. Everything is young and fresh and alive, and God is here. If you think your God is somewhere else, you are still listening to the mind, because that is the language of the mind. Somewhere else, somewhere else, never here. And he is always here. Meditation reveals you, the here and now. And then the ordinary mind becomes the most extraordinary, and the ordinary life becomes the supreme, the ultimate. The only difference is of a closed and open mind. When thoughts are there, the mind is closed. When thoughts are not there, the clouds are not there, and the mind is open. And when the mind is open, the old pail has fallen, the water has flowed out, the reflection disappears, no water, no moon. That's the end of the book? That is the end of that chapter. I was going to say, that's a hell of an ending. It's good. The, the next chapter is the black-nosed Buddha. Huh. I know. I think that was really good. What did you think? Yeah. You got anything you want to say about that to the people? Um, say it to the people. Well, I, I think it's going to take a lot of meditation to, to open the mind, to be, to, be, to be able to go inside. You think so? I don't know. well it might Um, you know it's funny what I was thinking is um, when he explains it it sounds easy it sounds easier to handle Mm -hmm. like if we were in like a Zen monastery and we had a monk doing that to us it could be confusing but if you just think it all comes down to like being inside your freaking mind, mm-hmm. inside, outside. Whenever a monk says something about inside and outside, it isn't. A, it isn't. <laughs> it isn't a literal. like real. <laughs> yeah, it's not literal. It's figurative. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that was the problem. That was kind of the problem I was having with Christianity. Is that it, it's also literal. That it's not meant to be literal. I don't think it's more figurative. And when people take it literal, it gets get it just gets all mixed up and bad. That's true. So. That's very true. It's it's interesting. I like I still like Osho. Do you? Of course. Okay. I love him. Do you want to say anything else? Over and out. Thanks for listening.